Thank you very much. Take your Bible and go to Daniel chapter number 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Can you get both fingers working together there? And uh, Daniel chapter 1 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Great to see you tonight. Please pray for me. I volunteered my wife to play the piano without doing that privately. And so I'd like to make it to my 53rd wedding anniversary this May 22nd. And how many of you say you'll pray for me to be able to make it that way? Now, you do know that... Uh, Men that have to sleep on the couch in the living room, that's like going camping for us men. You know that, don't you? And so anyhow, I thank the Lord for my sweetheart and her willingness to do that. When we traveled as a family, our daughter and our son and my wife, they all three sang together. My wife and our daughter, or my wife plays the piano. And so people would look at me and say, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm the driver. So now we've got six grandchildren, our granddaughter and five grandsons, all of them play instruments. Our grandsons play the guitar, the banjo, and the mandolin, and our granddaughter plays a piano. They still look at me and ask me what I do, and I'm still driving. I just want you to know that I'm driving. If anybody needs me to drive you any place, I'll do that. If you can, if you can, would you stand together with me, please? We'll look at 1 Corinthians 15 first. We'll look at that first. I hope you're having a good day. You all having a good day? How to know that you're having a bad day, and that's driving down the interstate highway behind a pack of Hell's Angels, and you get your horn stuck on, you know you're going to have a bad day. You really are. Or if you wake up and your pet rock has bit you, or if you wake up and you read your name in the obituary, you know you're having a bad day. Are you okay? Good to see you smile tonight. It takes 21 less muscles to smile than it does to frown. You ever notice how you can just look at somebody and smile a little bit, it brings a smile on their face, amen? Some of you are getting that really well. Some of you look like your mother-in-law has been living with you for a long time. My mother-in-law turns 93 this Saturday. We're having a birthday party before Mrs. Smith and I leave town. We're calling the uh, Marion and the Cedar Rapids Fire Department to the house for 93 candles. That's like starting a forest fire, isn't it? Yeah, all right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 58. I want to be an encouragement to you tonight. I want to be a blessing, and I want to be a challenge. We're going to look at some words. Verse number 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, say the next word with me, steadfast. Say the next word with me, unmovable. Say the next two words, always abounding, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Then it tells us in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Father in heaven, I thank you for these wonderful people tonight. I pray, Father, that I could be a blessing, that I could be an encouragement, that I could be a help. I pray, Father in heaven, for your anointing, for your filling. I ask you in Jesus' name for a fresh filling of your power. Lord, all of us are going through quite a lot of battles nowadays. And Father, we're seeing brothers and sisters in Christ that are turning and changing. And Father, I pray that you'd allow me with your anointing and your filling and your power to be a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge tonight. Father, may we be challenged to live for you and to serve you. I pray in Jesus' name with an expectant spirit. In your precious name, amen. You may be seated. Let's look at verse number 58 again. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain. I have wrote in great big red letters by this verse in my Bible, stand firm. If you jump with me in chapter 16, verse number 13, the Bible says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men. What's the next two words? 
be strong. I have wrote in the margin of my Bible that by that verse, don't let up, don't change, and don't quit. Now mark your paper here, or mark something in 1 Corinthians. We're going to come back. I want you to go to Daniel chapter number 1. Daniel chapter number 1, if you would please. Daniel chapter number 1. I read this earlier this week in preparation for this Sunday. I read this statement. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. All of us could focus to 2020. When a great shock came to our world about closing down, especially the church house, and it shocked, and people got used to not going to church. People that I've known for many years of my life said, Brother Dave, it's a whole lot easier for me just to stay home in my pajamas and watch church on Sunday morning. We lost a lot, and a lot of that has not been regained. But I want to challenge us tonight in this entitled the message, the importance of stability in our lives. God is unchanging. The Bible says that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the ending. And in this passage of Scripture in Daniel, we see something that I've read multitude of times, and you've heard messages preached on verse number 8. But I want you to look at verse number 8, if you would, please. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the, of the, the eunuchs. Jump down to verse number 11. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, these ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Our message tonight is the importance of stability or being stable. We look back in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to shift our gears and go back there in a moment, but this week my mind brought me to this passage of Scripture in the book of Daniel. We see in chapter number 2 of Daniel, look with me if you would please, in verse number 14. In verse number 14 of Daniel chapter 2, the Bible says, Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. There's going to be a great killing. There's going to be a killing because now there's a situation that there's a need for men of God that know God, men of God that have a relationship with God, men of God that are stable with God, men of God that have direction. If we go back to chapter number one, we see the phrase, but Daniel purposed. Daniel purposed. I believe with all my heart that probably Daniel was older than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they were brethren, they were close. I know that we could focus on the diet, but we're not going to. Even though the diet was what made them to be able to be physically in their mind, physically in their appearance, 
physical in their actions. Because of cancer being in my pancreas and my liver, years gone by, I went on a vegetarian diet for two years. And to God be the glory, I was clear to that. But I also have O positive blood. And if a doctor will tell you about your life is in the blood, that I need high amounts of protein, so I do eat meat. But these men here went on this pulse diet, vegetables and fruits and different things like that. But it gave them a not only a physical appearance, but let's go past that and look at their spiritual appearance. Their spiritual appearance to the king, their spiritual attendance to Arioch, the one that was in charge of them, their spiritual appearance and their attitude and their spirit towards each other. Number one, I want you to look at the word purpose in verse number eight. But Daniel purposed in his heart. I did a study this week for several hours on the word purpose. It's very, very simple in definition, but it's something that I want to do in a prelude and introduction for our, married, our message tonight on the word stability. The word purpose means Daniel said this, I'm determined. I'm determined. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to give up. I'm determined that God is going to bless us and God is going to use us. Then I went on a little bit farther with that definition of determination. To set as an aim, an intention, a goal for oneself. In other words, he had a determination in his relationship with God. A determination in his spirit with God. A determination for his action of God's. We need a generation of God's people that will be purposed or determined. I'm going to stay stable in my life. I'm going to keep moving forward in my life. I'm going to be firm in my convictions, my standards, and what God has given me. God's word is unchanging. He's the same as I said a few moments ago. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. But the second thing that I caught my eye when I read this and that I looked up in definition is Daniel said, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile. I stopped and I looked at the word defile. I looked on a many sources of the word defile. So Daniel is saying to you and to me, he was determined. But second, listen to this, please. The word defile means a sinful and unfit condition to make unclean or to be impure, impure. Purity is by all means the most important for a Christian's life. Purity of mind, purity of heart, purity of speech, purity of actions, purity of thought, and it continues on. And if we can just look at these things, what's gonna keep us going forward and what gave Daniel the courage to stand and look and say, could you please give me and these men some time because we purpose in our heart, we're determined in our heart to honor God with our life, to stand for God in our life, to be consistent what God wants us to be. And my friend, if we know how the story goes, it encouraged everyone. And when God gave them the wisdom beyond years and the wisdom of God Almighty, we see something else. Not only were they determined, determined with a purpose. Not only did they decide we're not going to defile ourselves, but then watch this, please. If you follow along in this, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, therefore he requested... I looked at the word request. Sometimes I wish that our English language was more definitive. 
When I made, my wife and I have gone to the mission field of Mexico six different times. And sometimes other languages. I took French, two years of French in high school. I know enough French to get my, French right now to get myself in a big trouble. But other languages are sometimes more expressive. And what I looked at this word requested, Daniel avoided anything in his life to defile himself with sin he avoided anything in his life to avoid a negative of his testimony and every part of his life. Maybe it doesn't hit you that way like it hits me. But can I just say something that you already know? I'm 72 years of age. I'm seeing Christians that are dropping standards, Christians that are quitting, Christians that are letting emotions the news media, the social media, all kinds of things take their eyes off of God, take their eyes off the purpose of this great church. And this purpose of this church is to reach souls for Jesus Christ. And not only to reach souls for Jesus Christ, but to walk through the Word of God and to teach souls to grow in Christ and to make a generation that will be a shining light as Matthew 5.16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And when I stopped and I thought about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went to the fiery furnace and the king said to him, but what if not? What if you burn? I listen to these words that they said, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not bow. And then Daniel, when he was thrown into lion's den, and the king could not sleep for the night. And the king came that day, and the stones were rolled back from the opening of that old cave when those lions had been hungered and ready to devour men. And Daniel cried out, I'm just fine, king. I'm just fine. Give us a generation in 2024 that'll stand on the word of God. Give us a generation that'll stand on biblical principles. Give us a generation that'll stand when the sun's up, when the stars fall, when the rains come, when the sun shines, when there's not enough to hardly go. Give us a generation of faith because Hebrews chapter 11, is, verse number 6 is still in the Bible. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. My friend, we need generation that will be stable. I thank God for an old-fashioned mom and daddy that never used the word divorce. I thank God for an old-fashioned mom and daddy that were there when we were needed. My friend, this generation needs some stable Christians that love God, that love the Bible, that want to live for God, that want to serve God, that another generation come. It's true. It's true. It's true. There's not been a stable generation since the World War II era, and we can be that generation. We can stand. We can prove God. We can show this world that God is still saving souls. God is still calling people to rescue the perishing, but we've got to decide. We've got a purpose in our heart that we're not going to defile ourselves of this world and that we're going to request of God to guide us and direct us. That's my introduction. Y'all okay? Some of you look like a calf looking at a new gate. Here we go. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I love coming to church. I love being with God's people. I do. 
I hope I love going home tonight that I volunteered my wife for playing the piano. Are you praying for me? There you go. I tell you, it's hard being a redneck from Missouri farm boy like I am, being with wonderful people that have all kinds of talents. I don't know how many times I've been asked, Dave, do you sing? No, you don't want me to sing. Uh-uh, you don't want me to sing. Now, if you want me to call the hogs, I can call the hogs. But we're not going to do that. Are you back in 1 Corinthians? Everybody good? Somebody say amen tonight. Are you happy that you're sitting to the person next to you? I love to take young people, and I love to have them all together and say, now sit, repeat these words directly after me. Matter of fact, if you're sitting next to somebody, this will bless your heart. Just look at them, whoever you're sitting next to, left or right, just look at them and say these words. It'll be a blessing to you. It'll be a great encouragement to them. Just look at them and say these words. You ready? Follow after me. I'm so glad. Don't look at me. Look at them. Look at them. I'm so glad and so thankful, so very thankful that I do not look like you. All right, here we go. Are you with me tonight? Good, 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 good. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 58. Are you all okay? Here we go. The word stable means unmovable, unchanging, rooted. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we started reading, and we're going to continue on, in verse number 13. We're challenged here in three different, four different things. Number one, watch ye. You and I have got to be paying attention. The devil is seeking whom he may devour. We've got to keep a watch. We've got to keep a watch when things come into our lives that should not come. We've got to keep a watch because the devil is nothing more than that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The next thing, we must stand fast. I like what the old sergeant said. I want you to screw your feet to the floor and double nut them. Double nut them. I like that. Stand fast. Then the Bible says stand fast in faith. That's what you and I have got to do. Not lose faith in God. Not lose faith that God doesn't hear our prayers. Matter of fact, the first message I preached to you was on the Lord's prayer. And it's believing that God can. And believing that God will. And believing that God hears. Because He does. He doesn't turn a deaf ear to His children. He's our shepherd. He's our redeemer. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our God. He's going to be our eternal hope for everything. Follow along in the verse. Quit you like men. Be strong. Quit you like men. God says, I want you to be alert. I want you to be strong. I want you to be a man. We need to raise a generation of men and a generation of women. Godly men. Men that stand in the position. Not men that are abusive. Not men that are, men that are balanced. Men that are loving. Men that are kind. Men that are respectful. But men of purpose. Men of character, men of stability, men that have direction, and ladies right along with it. We've raised a generation. Don't tackle ladies that are leading now. It's because men have not stepped forward. And we've got to have a generation that goes back and puts the fundamentals back in the home. Amen. Look at verse number 14. Let all your things be done with charity. Charity is always the act of love. It is the act of love. For me to be able to say to my wife in 1969, I love you. And for me to say tonight in January the 28th, 2024, honey, I love you is totally different because the relationship has been all those years. Can I be honest with you? Even though I've been married almost 53 years, oh, pray that I can make it to May 22nd, and 53 years, I don't know that I really understand love yet because when I stop and think about it, it's overwhelming. It's indescribable. It has no definition because it's constantly growing. 
and growing and growing and growing and growing. The Bible continues on and he says, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus. That is, it is the first fruits of Achaia. In other words, it's a reproduction. Somebody got saved. Somebody got born again. And in this very passage that we're talking about, it's those of us that have been saved for a while, strengthening the lives of others that are new Christians, for us reproducing ourselves, for us having a burden for souls being saved. That's what church is all about. It's not a social gathering, although I enjoy the time we fellowship. I told the men in the prayer time tonight, I've been encouraged just to grab and shake your hand and look at your face and smile and knowing that you were a brothers in Christ and we're sisters in Christ. And we're not sister. I'm not a sister. I'm a brother, okay? But you all know what I'm talking about? Somebody help me out there. I just said something that you can run with if you want to. All right, follow along in the Bible. And that they have addicted themselves. I like that word addicted. I have wrote in my Bible, they were consumed about the life of true Christianity. What did they have? They had purpose. What did they decided? They weren't going to be defied by the things of the world. What did they decided? They're going to live for God and they're going to make it and they're going to serve him. Follow along as I read on. That ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. In that word such, I have it underlined and I said, let's be the example of stability. Let's be the example of encouragement. Let's be the example of challenge. Let's be the example of passing out tracts. Let's be the example of knocking on doors. Let's be the example of living a holy life. Let's be the example of not worldliness because that's not the example of Christ. The Bible continues on, I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaeus, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied. For they, in verse number 18, then we're going to get right down to where I want to go tonight, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. I love the outdoors. I love hunting. I love fishing. I love camping. Oftentimes I go to the woods and I enjoy just listening to nature and watching nature. I love big trees. Trees were made for us boys to climb. Somebody say amen on that. Just make sure that mama's not any place around because I've got this chin that I split wide open in the top of a big old oak tree in the branch I was on. It broke and I went down and I caught several of them and if you look real close to my chin, it was split from here to there. And after it all got healed, I climbed another tree, and I love to climb trees to this day because trees were made by God for boys to climb. Amen. And some girls too. All right? Some girls too. But I love oak trees. Did you ever think about what makes an oak tree and all that an oak tree stood for? The roots of a great oak hold firm through all of the seasons and through all kinds of weather. Did you ever think what a battle a big oak tree has to go through to just to sustain life? the birth of new buds in the spring, the growth of the beautiful leaves through the spring rains, the winds and the hot summer sun, the golden leaves turn with the chill of fall, the loss of leaves when the winds blow and the freeze of winter is coming, the bitterness of ice and snow and yet the mighty oak stands firm because of the depth of the root in the mineral-rich soil. As it drinks in its strength, its mighty limbs grow from a firm trunk. The mighty oak will stand through the seasons of time and the many times a young boy will scale its heights because of the strength of the limbs from the strength of the oaks deep in the rich mineral soil. 
When you think of the mighty oak passing through the years of time, do you think of the strength of the wood, the denseness of the grain, the beauty of a cabinet door, a strong dining room table, a sturdy frame chair? There would be none of the beauty or the enjoyment of the products from that beautiful oak had there not been a stable, consistent growth in that great oak tree. What could a life produce if grounded, fed, and nurtured through a consistent, stable walk with the Lord? Revelation chapter 1, verse number 8, the Bible says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. When I looked at Daniel and I saw what purpose meant, it was a determination. When I thought, saw what defile meant, it meant staying away from sin, staying away from anything that would keep me from being what I need to be for God Almighty. And then I looked at that word request. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a desire to even leave, live their life for the glory and honor of God in the midst of a situation in a not friendly area, actually men of prisoners, but yet they lived a Christ-honoring life even when they were attacked, even when they were slandered, even when they went through the trials that they went through. I wrote down some things tonight that I want to challenge you as a church how to be stable. Number one, learn to saturate yourself in a relationship with God. Saturate yourself in a relationship with God. Live in a mode of pleasing God in everything you do. Serve Him beyond responsibility and obligation. Saturate yourself in a love for Him and who He is. Live the Christian life because of the walk with God that you've had. Love His Word. Read His Word. Spend time praying with Him. Spend time seeking His face. Please Him by taking steps of faith. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 and 18, I've already referred to it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They heard the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all the various musical instruments, but they did not bow, and they were chained, and they were tied up, and they were thrown into the lion, or in the burning, fiery furnace. But what did the king see? The king said, I see four, and the fourth is like the Son of God. Oh, my friend, that you and I would saturate ourselves in a relationship with the Lord. It doesn't matter if anybody else is reading the Bible. What matters is if we're reading the Bible. It doesn't matter if anybody else is praying. What matters is if we're praying. What will keep us stable? What will keep us strong? What will keep us unmovable? What will keep us going forward? When we're saturated in a relationship with God. The next thing, my friend, we've got to be a people that take our burdens to the Lord in prayer. I'll vote this year in November. I went to the caucuses, but can I serve notice on you? To be honest, from the depths of my heart, I will hope someone will get in there with principles, with character, but whoever goes to the White House never supersedes what God can do through a walk in prayer with Him. My friend, God says, you have not because you ask not or you ask amiss. God says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things when thou knowest not. God challenges you and me to pray without ceasing. God challenges you and me in the life of David when David wrote these words that are whole in the Holy Scriptures. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Oh, that we'd be a generation that would learn to take our burdens to the Lord in prayer. Have a prayer life, not a prayer time. 
Learn to listen and respond to God's voice. Can I tell you this? When God sends his man, if you're praying, there will be peace. When God sends his man and you're praying and seeking God's face, he'll send unity. If you're praying, God will send direction. If you're praying, God will answer, my friend. We've got to have a generation that will saturate themselves in a relationship with God and put that relationship with God as a priority of our life. We've got to be a people of prayer. Oh, my friend, the people that have gone before us that put all on the altar, and yet they saw God work great miracles through a prayer life. The next thing that I wrote down, if we're going to keep steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always seek spiritual counsel before ever making a major decision of life. Seek spiritual counsel. Not counsel of somebody on our own level, but spiritual counsel. Always counsel with God's authorities in our lives. God puts them there, they're still human, but seek counsel and seek guidance. We've raised a generation that seeks emotion. Over 72% of the people in the United States of America, according to statistics that my wife and I read in preparation of a subject that we were asked to speak on in a conference, 72% of the people in the United States of America are on some type of emotional drug. My friend, we're an unstable society. My friend, we're unstable because we've not saturated ourselves in a relationship with God, taking our burdens to the Lord in prayer. And my friend, we're making decisions that are, can I say this? Common sense is not so common anymore. And much of our decision-making process, y'all remember what it was like, and some of you are my age and maybe older and maybe younger, when you didn't go out and buy everything you saw. I remember my dad taught me one of the greatest lessons that he ever taught me. Before Walmart, believe it or not, there was a time before Walmart. There was a place called P Places, and it was called a five and ten cent store. How many remember going in and buying a piece of penny licorice? Amen. Some of you would read red, but I like black licorice. Amen. And I remember, Dad, we only came to town once a week except for going to school on the bus. And it come time for us to go to town, and every Saturday we'd go to town, we'd sell things that we raised on the farm, milk, eggs, cheese, butter, and things like that, and cream. And we went to places. As we went to places, Dad said, okay, it's all right. I had saved up. I enjoyed putting models together. Did any of you ever put models together? So I had money to be able to buy. If you're right with God, you would have wanted to buy a 1964 Pontiac GTO. Somebody say that. That's good, That's good preaching now. Anyhow, I went and got my AMT model of a 1964 GTO. I got my glue, got my paint. Boy, I was all excited to go home start with that model. I walked up there, and Mom and Dad went through the aisle before me, and I laid everything up on the counter. And it come time for the lady to check me out, my dad said this to me. He says, go put it away. Now, I was raised by a father that you only have to hear him say it twice, and then after you pick yourself up off the floor, you realize when he says it the first time, you better do it. And one time, Dad looked at me, and I've never said it to my children, but my father said it to me. He says, son, I'll kill you and make another one like you. And I believed him. I believed him. I took everything and put it back. When I got out to the car, I sat in the back seat. I didn't say a word. We got to the house, and Dad said this. He said, the rest of your life, you'll have money in your pocket. You'll see all kinds of things that you want to buy. But he said, son, we got one more stop to make. 
He says, if you let this control you and your flesh, you'll ruin yourself. Dad took me to a junkyard. I call it the Independent Fundamental Bible-Believing Baptist Missionary Car Lot. A junkyard. Y'all know what a junkyard is? And Dad took me and said, I want you to go out there and I want you to start sitting in those vehicles. And then Dad looked at me and he said, somebody bought that one day and they thought that was going to make them happy. They thought that was going to take care of all their problems. And look where it is now. Everything that you'll ever buy with money, son, it'll go away. My friend, we've raised a generation that doesn't seek counsel of parents, that doesn't seek counsel of the elderly, that doesn't seek counsel of those that have already gone ahead. I like being around somebody that's stubborn. I like being around somebody that knows where they're going. I like being around somebody that stands strong and stands consistent. You see, I want to be stable when my Lord comes to get me. I want to be stable when he calls us home. If I'm going to be stable, I better saturate myself in a relationship with Him. If I'm going to be stable, I better learn to take my burdens to the Lord in prayer. If I'm going to be stable, I better be wise enough, even at my age, to seek spiritual counsel. If I'm going to be stable and steadfast and unmovable and always abounding, I'm going to have to learn to balance life. Balance life. Take care of yourself physically. Take care of yourself emotionally. Take care of yourself spiritually. Learn to relax. Did you ever think about this? How we start our days with all the trauma that's going on in the world? How we end our world? How many people have crushed a TV because their team didn't win? Had a bad attitude? Had a bad spirit? My friend, learn to balance your life. Enjoy life. I have one goal that I would like to accomplish that I'll never be able to accomplish. Mr. Tullis worked for Hy-Vee all those years. You ever know about all those beautiful cans that they all stack up at the end of the aisle and the displays? I want to destroy one of those before I go to heaven. I just want to see those cans roll all over. You say, Brother Dave, something's wrong with you. I know. Would you really pray for me, please? But I just want to do one of those things just one time. Learn to have fun. Learn to talk. Learn to have conversation. Learn how to do things for each other. Learn to have a cup of coffee. Coffee tastes like liquid dirt to me. Coffee, I've tried coffee with sugar in it. I've tried coffee with cream in it. And then I did something stupid about five years ago. I looked at that beautiful wife of mine that I'm hoping will let me sleep in the bed and not on the couch tonight for volunteering her to play the piano. I said, honey, is there anything in our life that I've not done that you'd like me to do? She said, yes. I'd like you to drink coffee with me when we have our devotions. Oh, honey, I'm here to tell you. That's liquid dirt. I love the smell of it. She says, well, you asked me. I'd just like you to drink coffee. Folks, I've had four cups of coffee today. I like hot coffee. I like cold coffee. I like black coffee. I like cream coffee. I like all that coffee. Balance your life. Smile. Play games. Have conversation. Go out to eat. I know what it's like. You know, I have much money. Go to Walmart, and you get those pasteboard cartons of chocolate milk balls. Any of you like chocolate milk balls? Boy, there was a time in our life when we didn't have a lot of money, but we'd 
lived on a real close budget. Do you remember those days going buying those pot pies four for a dollar until Hy-Vee raised the price of them and now they're a, who knows how much they are. This is not an advertisement for Hy-Vee tonight. Okay, here we go. And what ends up happening, my wife and I, we get one of these and we take the kids and we go to the city park. We let the kids play for a while and we all sat in a picnic table. I'd open up that carton of those chocolate malt balls. I'd say, one for you, one for you, one for you, and one for me. One, two for you, two for you, two for you, three for me. Dad, now I'm passing this out. It takes labor to do that. And we've laughed, and those children, our daughter at 50 years of age and our son at 48, just recently said, Dad, you remember when we used to go to the city park and you used to tease us about the chocolate malt balls? Balance your life. If you and I are going to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, do the work of the Lord, you and I are going to have to saturate ourselves in a relationship with God. Take our burdens of the Lord in prayer. Always seek spiritual counsel. Balance our lives to everything there's a season and a time and a purpose. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Just a couple of more and I'm just about done. The next one is this. Lay down guidelines to live by. Lay down guidelines to live by. Y'all remember what? Y'all know what bushwhacking is? If I say bushwhacking, how many of you know what bushwhacking is? You poor folks have never lived in life. Bushwhacking is when you go out to where the parkers are. Do y'all know what parkers are? The kids in high school, they're not supposed to be out there and alone in a car. Back was in high school. Well, I had my own car. And dad said, dad got a new car and he said, uh, he said, uh, you want to take the car out tonight? I said, yeah, I would, Dad. I got three of my buddies, and boy, we went out driving. And outside of Ankeny, Iowa, there's an old cemetery called Oral Labor Cemetery. And we knew that the Parkers were out there. And we was going to have a lot of fun, you know, where they're sitting in there in their car. They don't probably do things like that anymore. I don't know. It would do good some of you married couples if you'd go participate in that. You'd have a little bit better smile on your face. But what anyhow had happened is there were some Parkers. Boy, we'd go up and scare them. I mean, today we went up to this one guy's car, and I, he opened the door. That guy got out. took him 15 minutes to get out. He was so big. I mean, we took off running, and those guys jumped in the car. I jumped in Dad's brand-new car. I turned the key on that Pontiac Catalina. I put it in reverse. We backed up, and I went out, and I heard it there. Smack! And I caught a limb, and I snapped off my dad's radio antenna on a brand-new 1967 Pontiac Catalina. That night I was begging God to come. I was pleading that the Holy Spirit of God would help me to understand how to disappear. I had to go home to a German father that had already told me that he would kill me and make another one like me. I took all the guys home. I went back to Orlabor. labor. I walked until I found that radio antenna. I walked in the house. My dad was sitting in his chair watching the news. Mom was over here at the couch reading a book. I said, Dad, can I talk to you? I could sense that death was at my doorstep. I could sense that every child abuse thing was about to be done to the human body. I could sense that I was going to feel pain for a matter of years, not days, not months, but years it was about to begin. I don't ever remember. Matter of fact, if you think about it, I was really an abused child. But anyhow, I stood there and I said, Dad, I took Mike Neely, Gary Neely, and Ed Medovich out to Oral Labor Cemetery and we were bushwhacking, and while we were there, Dad, I hit a branch with your car antenna. I broke it off. I have it here. I'm going to pay for it. And boy, did he get silent. 
I mean, it got silent. I'm ready to tell you. I mean, my heart quit beating. It got out of me someplace down there. I knew it was going to be carried. He sat there. He never looked at me. He said, did I hear you say that you knew you was doing wrong? Yes, sir. Did I hear you say that you're going to pay for it? Yes, sir. Did you learn anything tonight? Oh, yes, sir, I did. Get to bed. There was no get to bed the second time. I mean, this body picked up and got to the bedroom. But listen to this, please. He laid down guidelines. He had told me earlier in life, he says, you do wrong and you get caught, you admit it. And when you do wrong and you get caught, whatever the circumstances are, you be like a man and you take them. Lay down guidelines to live by. We've raised a generation of lies told all the time. We've raised a generation that look at you right in your face and lie to you. We've raised a generation that is conning us. We've raised a generation that's not consistent. Can I tell you this? If you and I had the time, we go to Genesis chapter 24. Some guidelines were laid down by Abraham to his servant. He said, I want you to go get a son for my wife. I want this and I, or my, a wife for my son. I want this and I want this and I don't want this. Guidelines all through the word of God. But we've raised a generation of God's people that don't lay down guidelines to live by. If we're going to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, we better saturate ourselves in relationship with God, learn to take our burdens to the Lord in prayer, always seek spiritual counsel, balance our life, lay down guidelines, and lastly tonight we're going to go to the house. Let's give a generation that will empty themselves of self. Not me first, others first. Not what I want, but what others would do. Jesus came that we may have life. And that life is eternal life. Did he want to go to the cross of Calvary? Yes, he did. But he's also the same one that said this. Father, did you ever think about that? Father, when he cried out. Listen to these words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He not only did it once, he did it twice. Was he regretting? No. But my friend, he emptied himself completely for you and for me. Salvation is a free gift. His precious blood was shed. Yes, I believe with all of my heart. He knew exactly what he had to do. He was ready to do. He wanted to do. He desired to do. And he completed it. Because he's at the right hand of God the Father interceding for you and for me. Each time we sin, we have the re God has a reason to take us on out. But my friend, you and I have got to decide. If I'm going to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, I better learn to empty myself. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 said this, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a serpent, servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, unto the death even of the cross." Stay stable. Stay where God has planted you. Stay growing in your walk with the Lord. Stay with the direction that he's led you to take. Stay in the waiting, learning, and development stages. If our hopes seem to be experiencing disappointment right now, it simply means that we're being purified. Every hope or dream of the human mind will be fulfilled if it is noble and of God. But one of the greatest stresses in life is the stress of waiting for God, but it brings stability. My friend, tonight, I've challenged you. Let's decide I'm going to be steadfast.
I'm going to be unmovable. I'm going to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Father in heaven, I thank you for the listening of these folks tonight. I pray that the challenge, Lord, may pierce hearts and speak to lives. I thank you, Father, for their patience. Lord, the hour has gone on just a little bit longer, but I thank you for them being here at your house tonight. Bless them this week, Lord. Help them to think about these things. Father, I pray that you'll guide them in the days and weeks and months ahead. Guide their thoughts. But Lord, may they be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in your work. In Jesus' name, amen.